Headlines with Pastor Gil Monrose is sponsored by The God Squad, a powerful movement of experienced clergy providing years of support in a professional, caring, and spiritual way to families affected by gun violence and personal tragedies. Join our dialogue each week as we help you make sense of today's news, current trends, and cultural shifts and provide solid biblical commentary on major headline news that will impact your life. And now, here is Pastor Gil Monrose, along with his co-hosts, Pastors Louis Straker and Charles Galbraith. That's right. Uh, welcome to, again, another fine edition of... Welcome to another fine edition of Beyond the Headlines, and uh, we are very grateful to all of you who have joined us, and thank you. We are back again on our podcast, and we thank you again for uh, being there in the thick of things with us. We are so grateful to you that once again, um, in the midst of all the confusion of the world, one of the things that's clear for sure is that we have to have a consistent voice, but also to a solid biblical response to society's ills. And I saw a T-shirt today that said that anyone who died without Christ is definitely a fool. And <coughs> one of the things that we are seeing and we're looking at right now in our community is the uptick in the violence, but just also to the uncertainty of so many people not, un- not knowing what the future is going to hold. Uh, school is getting ready to open up, and there's a challenge. Like, you know, my wife came, and she said to me, like, listen, we have to decide whether or not we want to do partial or full return. I was like, what? We have to decide all of that? Yes, we have to decide all of that right now. So, um, again, it's good to be back on. I'm Pastor Gilman Rose, and our very well-able co-host, Pastor Charles Godbread, is on with us, and also Pastor Louis Straker, of course, is on with us today. And uh, we are very grateful to have these two brothers on on the mic MC doing their thing. So welcome again, uh, pastors. We're good to have you on. Pastor Charles, how you been? Good, Pastor Monroe. Thank you for uh, once again welcoming us. Greetings to my brother, Pastor Stryker as well. Uh, and uh, so much has happened, so much is taking place, but it's uh, it's good to be uh, on this side of the Jordan and still be uh, working and uh, bringing forth transformation. We're trying to bring forth transformation in our community, but man, a lot has happened, so mm-hmm. it's it's good to be in the number. That, yeah, that's yeah, good. Most, <laughs> yeah, Pastor most definitely. It's good to be back. It's good to be back on the podcast. A lot has happened since we were last on, so we got a lot to talk about, but it's good to see you, brothers, and uh, as we continue on in this this fight against gun violence. It's a lot, man. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's a lot. Um, <clears throat> so I was drawn to the text um, from Timothy that really talks about that in the last days, like perilous times shall come. I don't know if you have a better translation, but, but if you are not really um, uh, biblical in your understanding, if you're not really churchy, quote-unquote, what, what it's saying is that in... In the days that we are living right now, all of the stuff that we see that is happening is going to happen. So, so the beauty about, <clears throat> about how we look at our worldview, the way, that we look at, the way that we look at the world through the premise of God's word and through the understanding of end time eschatology, one of the things that we do know for sure is that the word of God gives us a bleak outlook of what is going to come. But also, too, very importantly, I think that we need to not miss is that the word of God also give us the idea of what we should be doing now as what I think Pastor Charles called hope dealers. So, Pastor Charles, um, in the concept of hope dealers, knowing that 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 in our biblical framework, we do have a narrative that states that, listen, we are actually going to be this bad in the world. Yeah. How how yeah. how do you explain to someone like if we are asking people to be hope dealers, but yes, the word of God gives us an idea and a glimpse of really the things that are not really hopeful in this world. How do you navigate between seeing what the word of God is saying and then actually trying to encourage people to be able to live positive, but also to to do action as well? Thank you for that, Pastor Gill. And I think that's right in line with some of the things I'm sharing with my our folks here, listen, uh, 
And when we talk about eschatology or apocalyptic literature, many times people get upset and nervous because it can get confusing. The book of Revelation, Daniel, <laughs> Zechariah, uh, some of the things just get overwhelming. Here, here, here's my, my big thing for folks. I said, don't get overwhelmed. Don't get upset. Mm -hmm. uh, it's going to get bad, but guess what? It's going to get better. Uh, <laughs> it gets bad, but it gets, be gets better. And because the truth of the matter is when we talk about it, sometimes we can get overwhelmed. Uh, with all the different language and the nuance there. Uh, mm -hmm. But we recognize here, if, if those of us who are, are believers, we recognize that we are in the end times, that there are going to be wars, there are going to be tensions, there are going to be these issues. But the good news, the encouraging thing is, in the end, we win. And when we talk about this idea of, of uh, being hope dealers, uh, I was reading in uh, Romans, the 15th chapter, it talks about this in Romans 15, chapter verse 13. Uh, it talk, talks about this, this blessing that's lifted up that says, listen, uh, the God of all hope uh, is going to fill you with joy and peace mm -hmm. so that you would overflow with hope. Mm -hmm. And so the reason we have hope is because God's poured into us joy and peace. Mm -hmm. And so in the midst of these perilous and difficult and challenging times, I have the joy, right? The joy, and my old school saints would say, the joy that the world didn't give it, give it to me and the world can't take away. Can't take away. Uh, joy, this, this, this enthusiastic, renewed, refreshing that comes from God, but also peace, peace that passes all understanding in the midst of that. And as a result of that, uh, my, the, my result of the two ingredients of joy and peace is the overflow with hope. So I'm, I'm, I'm going to stay continually as a hope dealer, despite how bad and how challenging uh, things are getting. I know folks are facing it. I don't do that to to uh, rush over what we're experiencing. We've got COVID-19. We've got the challenges, continual challenges of racial inequity. We have economic uncertainty. Uh, we've got the tensions concerning our streets uh, with uh, increased in violence. We have interpersonal dynamics and relationships that are taking place. We've got the uncertainty of our educational system. There's a host of things going on, but I'm still able to face that because I've got those two twins, joy and, and peace that overflow with hope. So, sounds good to me. It sounds good to me. Amen. Hallelujah. Y'all can sit your tithes and offerings. No, listen, I second, I second um, uh, Reverend Galbraith. I second what he said, man, that joy and peace is so powerful. And we've got to help people find it in the midst of darkness, in the midst of the pandemic. And the only place it could be found is in the kingdom of God. Paul says that the, the kingdom of God is uh, not a matter of meat or drink. Many yeah. people trying to find it in, in food. Many people trying to find it in, in booze. But it's in the right standings with God, righteousness, uh, which produces peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. And so, yeah, it looks a little dark, but it's, it's going to be all right because in the end, as, as Pastor said, Man, we win. We win. And the kingdom of God has already won. We're just Come actually, on, we're Come in on, a sir. fixed fight. We're, we're, yeah. we're, we're just playing this out. And God is the author and he is the finisher. And one thing I know about stories, a good story has to have plot twists. A good oh. story has to have some ups. It has to have some down. It has to look like, you know, when you watch a series on TV, a good show, my favorite show was 24, man. It didn't look like Jack yes. was going to have a certain situation. <laughs> yeah. But, man, at the end of it, Jack always found a way out. And God is the author, and he is the finisher. So just know he's writing a wonderful story. And sometimes you can't appreciate the great light until you've been in great darkness. And right now, right. our world seems to be in darkness. But as I tell people, man, hold on. 20, don't give up on 2020 because 2020 nah, hasn't given up on you. At the yeah. end of it, we're just in the third quarter. The whole game has four quarters, and we got to sure. wait until the end. God has the final say. Hallelujah. 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 That's right. Man, you're about to make me run around over here. My God. <laughs> <laughs> so, so we, okay, so we are hope dealers. Um, I think uh, we need to go ahead and patent this um, hope dealers and make some T-shirts. So you just hear it here on the podcast. <laughs> Please, anyone who are out there, this is intellectual property. Don't try to steal it. <laughs> We know for sure that Pastor Charles Garbert was the first to say that. I, I don't I don't know if he got it from someplace, but we are claiming it. So Hope Dealers <laughs> T-shirt is coming your way right now. <laughs> so get ready. Now, now, so, man, we have been through uh, somewhat since the last time we came on the podcast, right? It has been a couple of months since. Um, so we had COVID-19. Uh, we're still in the pandemic. 
then we had the uh, the protests that was happening because of George Floyd, Breonna Taylor, and many others uh, who have fallen by the wayside of police brutality. And then we had the firecrackers for a while. And then now we're in the midst of this epidemic that we've always been dealing with in urban America, which is mm. called gun violence. And so we know for sure that there's a hand that there's a handgun crisis in our communities. Handguns are legal in most states. Um, and most, especially in New York City, um, handguns are at least 99% when it comes to firearm shooting. Handguns um, uh, murders are really in the ni- like 99%, just about every single person who dies in New York City illegally with a gun dies from a handgun. Um do do you think that people understand the carnage that they leave behind when they shoot someone? Mm. Do you think that people realize like the pain, the hurt, the suffering, the amount of things that we have to do? Uh, do they understand the trauma that the community goes through? Do Do you think that they they understand what happens <laughs> when a when the when the bullet leaves the barrel of a gun? You know, I I really don't think people. Uh, even think through the the aspect of pulling that trigger. I think the the emotions, whatever the anger, whatever's going on with them, overrides logic, over, overrides reason, mm-hmm. uh, overrides the ability to even see that mother uh, crying, that father uh, just in tears, and the the children of of that victim. Uh, being torn apart without having a father or mother or whoever they lost or brother or sister. I don't think people have the ability to even, at that moment, whatever it took for you to take that life and pull that trigger, uh, it, it puts you in a place that you're not even thinking. Because if you did, if you can picture that mother crying, if you can picture those children not having a father or mother growing up with, you wouldn't pull that trigger. I was at a funeral um, on Friday, and I, I watched a mother cry over her son, a grandmother cry over her son, and the sound of that cry oh rocked me to my core. Uh-huh. Uh, I was standing pulse, you know, just trying to maintain the family, keep everybody at peace. But when she started crying, you know, I didn't know if there was going to be someone to hold me at peace because mm-hmm. you felt it. There was a frequency of her cry that touched the depths of my soul. And mm. I was even asking myself that question. How could someone just so easily take a life? And I, it's the only way is that you have blocked out all reality and yeah. now are so caught up in your rage and your anger that you're not even thinking rationally at that moment. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I, I totally agree with Pastor Stryker that we're, we're seeing individuals allow short-term short-term emotions to cause long-term and continual lifetime term consequences not only for themselves but also for the families that are impacted concerning what's what's taking place and i i really it's it's sometimes very difficult for me to grasp my mind around uh, the impact and so uh and i think there's something deeply it has to be something for somebody mm-hmm. to do that and know the influence and the impact it's going to take there has to be something deeply disturbed inside inside of them I, I think more likely it's that individuals are not fully able to process emotionally how to deal with either dis- what they perceive as disrespect or they uh, perceive as how they're interacting with one another or how to handle a particular situation and as a result they do what they think that they need to do in that moment, which is in actuality causing not only uh, a ripple effect in their lives, but in the lives of every bullet that's been lifted up and assigned. And so um, I'm 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 brokenhearted, and I, uh, I've seen Pastor Stryker out. I've been out a couple of times, Pastor Gill out in um, in the midst of this these moments over the last several weeks and months uh, where it is, it's devastating where you see an entire destiny and someone's entire life Mm -hmm. uh, uh, cut off. But then also the side effect of that, of the girlfriend (laughs) or of the child or Mm -hmm. of the mother or of the grandmother uh, that is also deeply impacted uh, by, by this, Um, this, this is, this is painful uh, for our, for our community. And then also it's painful on all fronts. 
not just the the victim and their family, mm-hmm. but the shooter's family as well. Yeah, because yeah. now you know you have a child uh, that's out there that that now has done such a heinous act, and you feel bad as a parent. You feel mm. bad as a brother. You feel bad. And they end up being locked up and these kinds of things. We also need to think about the impact on the family of the shooters, yeah. the embarrassment, the shame. How do you, as a parent, you have a child that took somebody else's life. How do you and you and how do you even go to the parent of the victim? How do you even go and say, you know, I'm sorry, my child took your child's life. I mean, the, the stress and the strain all around is just. It, it is just uh, enormous, and there's a lot of hurt and a, a lot of pain that goes around when it comes to gun violence all around. Yeah. Do, do you yeah. think that? Do you think that um, in urban America that we we lost the momentum of the protests um, simply because we did not police ourselves well? That there was a juxtaposition between people who were saying that, listen, we need safety. But at the same time, there was a cry to defund the police to actually fund peace. Uh, do you think that we lost that that balance between calling for police reform and then, but then also to dealing with the high volume of shootings that we have in New York, um, according to um, um, all of the recent data that we have seen, uh, there have been over one thousand gun victims as of Saturday past. Um, that is last year at the same time frame, we were at 466 shootings with 551 victims. That means to say that the shootings may some maybe had one or two. While in 2018, um, we had 499 incidents with 548 victims. That is actually a lot of shootings. Um, we live in a violent society. Um, mm-hmm. And now there's over 1,000 people who have been touched by a bullet. Um, do you think that we lost traction um, after the, um, the protest? I was very hopeful to see that there were going to be some major um, reforms done. But to me, in my mind, <clears throat> I think that um, the, the, we have been, the train have come off the uh, tracks. Um, places like Starbucks... I hope that we can call names. Well, Starbucks for sure have these T-shirts that says, of course, Black Lives Matter. And I think that Black Lives should matter on people's paycheck, not on printed on the T-shirts. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that also, too, we have lost some momentum uh, with police reform uh, because our communities turn against themselves. And so while we have, again, this whole idea of we can police ourselves, we are seeing with the uptick of gun violence, that some people are concerned about their own security. Do you think that we have lost, you know, the momentum from the protests, Pastor Straker? I I don't think we've, um, I don't think it's so much that we lost uh, the momentum. I think we lack vision. Mm. Uh, In the Bible, it's very clear. Where there's no vision, people perish. I think we lack the vision of how to roll this out uh, safely, um, and we gave into the pressures and the demands of the times and the seasons. And while the protests were demanding one thing, um, the the transition wasn't going to happen overnight. Okay, but who? And so, but who is the we? Who who is the we that we lost the vision? Right? Who is that we? Is it the collective yeah, I, we? Because the collective we definitely can't lead. Well, I, it it. I hate to I hate to put blame, but the powers that be, the the ones who are uh, our uh, elected officials, our police departments, our uh, the, the mayor, the, the commissioner, all of them, uh, with this transition, they needed the vision in order to make that transition. So we were calling for defunding. We were calling for uh, the divesting of one thing, reinvesting into another. It, it, there was no plan. It, it appears like the the, the the strategic plan in place to mm-hmm. allow a safe transition from one to the other was not there. And so it's like we went from one drastic situation mm-hmm. to another, and then the collapse took place because 
this doesn't happen overnight. And I think everybody was through politics, just trying to satisfy uh, the voices of the protesters, but not really thinking about what it took to really make that transition in a safe manner uh, where everyone could benefit. So I think it was the lack of vision that really hurt us uh, in, in, in this transition. Not the, not necessarily to focus because there was nothing to focus on because we didn't have the vision. Mm-hmm. What do you say, Pastor John? I, I think that's part, I think that's a, a, a part of it, and I, I would agree agree with that. I also think that it's it's a testament concerning uh, where we have failed to understand the benefit of individuals other than those who are sworn law enforcement individuals in regards to mitigating gun violence. We've been saying this and continue to lift lift this up. Uh, that uh, when we call the police, that's that that's that last stop on the train. There's been a lot of failures mm-hmm. before that moment, and I think this is what uh, has has been has been seen because of uh, 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 Cure Violence Group, as well as all the nonprofits, other as well as organizations like the God Squad. Because of the pandemic, we're not able to do the initiative work that we continue to do on the ground and on the street. What happens is as soon as outside opens up a little bit, because of that work that many times is unseen, unheard, unsung, uncelebrated, has not taken place, what happens is some of those deep-seated beefs, issues, and challenges arise, and there's no mediation uh, from, uh, from, from the groups like the God Squad and other organizations uh, to, to address it. I've said it before. I think we've said it before. We uh, appreciate law enforcement in regards to the, what they're called to do. But I also believe, respectfully, that many times we are asking them to do uh, what we as a community should be doing. Uh, we are asking them to do too much. Uh, and we uh, don't necessarily uh, need a gun to be the first response or a badge to be the first response, but rather uh, to have conversations, connections, and uh, continued development and mentorship. That's what we have been doing. When those opportunities are not availed towards us, what happens is we see the increase in violence. We've seen the statistics. We've seen the data. When Mm -hmm. organizations like the God Squad and other community-based organizations are on the ground making uh, connections, interrupting violence, making uh, uh, connections with people, we find that the violence reduces. It's unsung. There's no cameras. There's no marches. There's no protests. It's the hard, tedious, behind-the-scenes work of making sure a community is made whole. When that's not able to take place, this is what we see. That's my humble opinion. That's my humble uh, observation concerning what we're seeing to take place. So we once again, if, if the mayor, if... The, uh, the police department, if other elected officials want to see this violence take place, we're not going to arrest our way out of it. Uh, we're, we're, not, we're not going to incarcerate our way out of it. Uh, we need to empower uh, those who have the expertise within our community to do the hard, unsung, uncelebrated work of making community connections and relationships for it to be transformation. So, so the, but but then what, what do you think that the public um, I heard a young lady um, in the park last night um, for Christopher Ross, who was killed um, in the crossfire between individuals in a local park in Brooklyn. And one of the ladies, she was uh, his sister, I think, or family member. Let me be clear, Clara. Family member said, um, basically, we should bring back stop and frisk. So people especially in the urban communities pivot back to the fact that if we look like we are lawless that we can't govern ourselves the idea is to send in the brigade again so so how can you promise the idea of people saying to us that listen with with over 1,000 shootings that the the police should be the last resort in terms of calling but yet still there's so many guns um, on the street, how, how how do we how do we how do we um uh, talk to someone to that sort? Like how do we how do we get to them to to let them know clearly? Just because somebody shot and killed doesn't mean that the whole police force need to come and stand in every corner in Brooklyn or in Chicago mm-hmm. or Indiana mm-hmm. or in East St. Louis. I think we approach it, and I'm I'm so sorry to hear of the loss of her family member, and I. Uh, sympathize with her in the, in the midst of that moment. But respectfully, we've been here before. 
Uh, we, we've seen this before. You, you only have to look at history to see how this has been problematic. Uh, when we, this is uh, Michelle Alexander's work, where we've looked in regards mm -hmm. to uh, locking up our own uh, James, uh, uh, I forgot his la last last name, but uh, a professor out of out of Yale. Mm -hmm. uh, we looks at this framework where we swing the pendulum uh, towards over incarceration, over. Uh, a militarization concerning it. And what happens, we know what happens with this is it creates and cultivates more problems. It creates and cultivates a dynamic where individuals who uh, uh, who could have been given second chances or different opportunities and avenues are now completely locked up, locked out. And as a result, it doesn't help the community, actually hinders the community in the in the long term because you have more people who are uh, who are in the midst of hopelessness, in the midst of depression and discouragement because they have no way out there. They've got these long sentences. They have these long uh, opportunities have been shut out to them. And so as a result, uh, the economic viability is, is left, is less. And as a result, folks will continue to enter into these moments of lawlessness. I think it actually makes it worse. It doesn't mm -hmm. make it better when we uh, try to use a militarism uh, concerning uh, these issues and, and, and challenges. We have seen this uh, uh, domestically, but we've also seen this internationally. It doesn't work that, but that particular way. You need to build the, remember, go back, the way we won the Cold War, mm -hmm. right, was not with military might, but rather with showing folks <laughs> about uh, American uh, dynamics of uh, capitalism and uh, connection uh, and TV and shows. And that's <laughs> what changed people's hearts and minds concerning that. I'm not saying necessarily I'm advocating for uh, all, 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 all of pop culture. Right. But what, I, what, I, what I am saying is what we see makes a change and transformation is human relationships, is dignity and worth, is the deep, hard, and here it is, this mm -hmm. is what we don't, not the quick fixes. Right. It's a long process that takes place to build those relationships, to build that trust. Trust. And what we like is we like easy solutions. Uh, from media to, to politicians, to everybody else, we like easy solutions, that this is the problem, this is how we're going to fix it. Well, inevitably what we find is it many times perpetuates the problem even further. Master, you are uh, so correct uh, with the easy solutions. The, the, the truth of the matter is we have to get down and get our hands dirty yeah. in this. We cannot arrest our way out of this situation. In fact, stop, stop and frisk uh, showed itself to be fruitless. Uh, yeah. When we look at uh, stop and frisk as opposed to when it was uh, shut down and more community policing, uh, the impact there and how the numbers decrease greatly under neighborhood policing and, and these kinds of initiatives. And so the reality is we have lives that we have to touch. And this is what makes what we do as the God Squad so powerful. Our uh, street engagement as clergy, we understand that it, it, these are hearts of people, the people that bear the image of God, whether they are upstanding citizens or they're the worst citizen. They're carrying the image of God. That's right. And so That's right. we have a responsibility to help them understand who they are in God. And the, the real transformation that needs to happen is not locking up the criminal, but touching the heart of the criminal. And so when you have organizations like God Squad and people who are willing to really touch the humanity and the soul of individuals and have the ability to do that, I think it will go a long way. I mean, when, when someone goes to jail, there's a lot of implications that, that takes place within yeah. their lives and the families around them. Somebody's mm -hmm. Maybe that's somebody's father. Maybe somebody uh, is not able to provide for their home. And then the, the, the after effect of serving your time, um, getting out on uh, parole or probation and, and the restrictions there, not being, having a felony and these kinds of things, it's hard for them to get back into society and and make themselves, you know, productive because they can't get certain jobs. And it seems like prison becomes a revolving door. We just can't have that in our communities. And so it's it, the hard work. You are so on point, Reverend. The hard work that needs to be done, we can't shy away from it because if that's the case, we're going to lose out a lot of valuable people within our communities. Uh, we were getting locked up in great numbers for, for, for little things, great things, but that's just not the solution that uh, we need right now. We need to touch the hearts of people 
And right now, community engagement is the most important thing as opposed to just arresting and locking up and throwing away the key. So, 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 so what could we do um, in terms of just, just your idea of just the um, um, today as, as well? Uh, we, we saw a teenager was um, stabbed and burned in the Bronx. We had two teenagers who was actually shot yesterday. Um, we are seeing now that the shooters are getting younger um, or the killers are getting younger and also to the victims are getting younger too as well. What is happening in America today? Um, it's just Chicago is, is, is really struggling um, with the high level of shooting. We have Indiana. Um, in, in urban America across across the, the America in, in urban cities, how, how could it just be in sync that we have this high level of gun violence and it's happening at the same time? Do I, I would dare to say, as I listen to some of the, um, the uh, men who talk about the violence, that um, saying that we need to offer young people something. And I, I'm of the opinion that, listen, we did, not, we did not offer them anything to pick up a gun. They decided to pick up a gun. But where, where, where is it that we need to be focusing on um, to stop the bleeding at least now? I mean, you have, you know, Pastor Charles, you talked about a lot about, you know, uh, uh, things that mass incarceration... Um, reduce possibilities. Yes, we know that's factors. But how do we stop the bleeding now with the amount of shooting that we're taking across urban America? Do we think that young black and brown boys need to understand that it's actually in the will of the master of the world to have them killing one another? Do you think that they understand the concept of mental slavery? Do you think that they understand the concept of the killing themselves and generations and authors and lawyers and doctors being killed and shot in the streets. How do we bring an awareness, consciousness to our people? Yeah, uh, I think it's had to be multi, multi-layered and multifaceted. I don't, I don't think that they understand the dynamics of it. I don't think that they understand how deep it is. We already, already know that it's not until about 25, 26 that uh, our brains have fully developed. And so they're not even uh, cognitively at the place where they can understand the implications of what, what's taking place and what they're, what they're doing uh, concerning uh, our, our community. But I think that language can be helpful in regards to uh, speaking to the possibility of who they can be, to the imagination of who they can be, as opposed to uh, the uh, seemingly uh, challenge that they may be in at that mm-hmm. particular moment. Uh, but I, I think that it's going to be across the board. It's going to be a hardcore press. Um, and particularly, let, let's, be, let's be honest, our brothers, it, particularly we need uh, other congregations and churches to step fully in. Uh, we, how does that look? Uh, within, within black America. How, how does that look? Hold on. Within within our neighborhoods, we have churches on every corner of every block. That means, brothers and sisters, (laughs) if you are pastoring a church, it is not an option. It is an obligation for you to be engaged, involved, and be in connection and mentorship with those within your community. Listen, if you cannot walk your community and be at peace and not be at fear and have anxiety, then maybe you need to think about, do you need to still be pastoring within that community? Because some folks, I'm going to get in trouble, Pastor. Talk, sir, talk, talk. Some people (laughs) are pastoring and some people are simply running plantations. Uh, And I think we need to to call it out for those who are here to truly pastor the people as opposed to those who want to just run a plantation and oversee people. Uh, and um, recognize to see if we, if you can't walk up your down your block and have conversations and connections with the people who you if they don't know who you are mm. when you walk up and down down the street. I'm not asking the entire city. I'm talking about up and down your block, up and down your street. If they don't know who you are, if they can't call out your name, then there's going to be there's a problem because many times you may be suspect of not being a pastor, but running a plantation where you're simply having people do all the work. And you sit back, get fat, get 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 full, and not making an impact and influence. Let's let's cut it out. My God, my God, I, I, I you hit it on the nail. There's a fine line between uh, pastoring and pimping. <laughs> Hello, <laughs> Hello. Unfortunately, Hello. Uh, pimps, we got a lot of pimps, pimps in, in the pulpit. pulpit. 
pimps in the pulpit. In the pulpit. But uh, uh, Dr. Galbraith, you hit it on the nail. I was I was gonna I was gonna say you know we we as a community it takes a village. Well, uh, first thing that has to happen, parents need to parent. They need to parent. They 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 got to start parenting. I don't know where the parents are. But I, I do understand that it's very difficult to parent in this age where you are out and uh, working and most of the awake hours of your children are uh, spent in school or away from you. And so it's going to take the community. It's going to take the village. Right now, what we're seeing in our communities is a result of our failure, our generation. We have to eat this. We have to own it. Yeah. Uh, I remember when I was growing up, even if even the heads on the street, you even had the thugs on the street will warn you and say, hey, you know, it's not for you. Go back inside. You, no, 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 no. You don't need to be out here. They would tell you to, to walk away from this, that kind of life that they were living. And it seems like right now, nobody is speaking up. Nobody has that voice. And we're, we've been so busy doing our own thing that we have dropped the ball on this generation. And so we've got to take the village back. We got to get the community uh, engaged. We got to get, like you said, those preachers out the door and their congregation and everybody begin to help these young people understand who they are and understand that their life has purpose and every life around them has purpose and meaning. And until we're willing to get out of our comfort zone and begin to invest back into our children as a village, as a community, this is not going to change. Uh so, so it seems like that that is definitely a lot of work on all of our behalf, all of our, our, our responsibility that we have to do. Um, while we're here talking right now, we just received um, another notification that someone else again is shot in our area. Yeah. But but it, it's 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 something that that to me um, states that at some point in time, um, what 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 is I, I would love to be able to spend a few days in the life of a young person that we consider to be high risk and what 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 a parent's uh, responsibility in this in this age but I, I think that i don't want you to gloss over the fact of what i said is that do you think again that it is a a a well orchestrated um sequence of events that happens that blacks are killing blacks in our communities by purchasing illegal guns and causing havoc on the street by killing again kings themselves, their friends, killing again uh, the next president of the United States, doctors and lawyers, good basketball players, I guess, sports entertainers, rappers, or what have you. The next Muhammad Ali. Um, I think they, they they're, re- they're they're killing themselves. Do what do you how how do you I guess the the life the parents? Do you think the parents don't? say the same that we are saying tonight i mean your children and your homes are in the house right now what is happening with 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 on on the front of the the parenting like do we give the parents responsibilities uh to govern the children too as well I mean, uh, of course I, 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 I mean as a parent i think so there are things that we need to we need to do. That's why I said we need to we actually need to parent. We've gotten mm-hmm. in the age where we've dumped our children before the video games. We've dumped them before the tablets. We've dumped them before social media, and we just get them out of our way and just keep them quiet. But we're not even paying attention to what they're looking at. What is feeding their minds? What is uh, the, what are those things that are subconsciously training them and programming them and priming them as there's so much stuff out there that's designed to derail our young people. And then what what are the, the, the checks that you're doing as a parent? Are you looking to see what's in their book bag? Are you looking to see who their friends are? Are you looking to see what conversations they're yeah, having they're in the scared. chat rooms and social media? I mean, I mean what, probably scared it's to time do that. to parent. It is time to parent. And parents have uh, I think really become uh, neglectful, not all, but there are many parents that have neglected their children mm-hmm. because they're just probably overwhelmed with life themselves. But meanwhile, our children are left to policing themselves, to raising themselves. And unfortunately, uh, the enemy is working and wreaking havoc 
on on our children. And so we've got to get back to to old school parenting. You, you think, Pastor Charles, you have any hope in this uh, new Democratic, um, um, the, the new election coming in? Um, we know that uh, Kamala Harris, um, African-American, um, got selected by by um, um, Vice President uh, Biden. Do you think that there is there's going to need truly, like really, a real black agenda for urban America? And you think that is possible? Do you feel hopeful? I mean, both of you, like, do you really feel hopeful about this ticket? Do you think that we'll get back to some of the values that we will hope that Barack Obama would have pushed forward? Uh, President Trump, right now, he's pushing forward um, his agenda for even the the, um, evangelicals, uh, pushing through policy that directly speaks to their points that they have given him, their priorities, um, are you hopeful about this ticket? Do you think that black America is going to finally get the fair share? I'm always hopeful, but I also will note that uh, what I hope in, some trust in chariots, others in horses, but I trust in the, in the Lord. So I've, I've learned a long time ago that I, I don't put my hope in uh, uh, politicians, kings, princes, or any, anything like that. Um, I, I do want to just to jump back to go forward. Sure. Um, I, I, agree, I agree with uh, the framework concerning parenting. Uh, parenting is hard work. <laughs> it, is, it's, it is arduous work, and I, I, I definitely lift that up. But we also know uh, while we're, we're trying to do the parenting work uh, that, that, is, that is done, that we also have to address the systems and structures that continue uh, to allow uh, our young people to fall in these ways. I'm thinking about a young person who uh, the parent was working as hard as they could to work and help this child, but because of trauma they have received concerning uh, uh, exposure to uh, uh, substance abuse and a host of other traumas within 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 their lives, it perpetuated the system of even being in the criminal justice system, which uh, I've made no mistake and no uh, disrespect to our DAs or our legal professionals, uh, but our legal justice system in the United States is straight trash, straight right. basura. It is unjust, continually unjust, and seemingly uh, set up that way. So here, here's my thing. I, think, I don't think things happen by accident. I think they happen on purpose. Um, mm-hmm. And so uh, you have to ask the question, who's benefiting from things the way they are? Right. Uh, our country just uh, immediately, because of COVID-19, uh, wrote checks for over $1 trillion, preparing to write checks for maybe $1 to $3 trillion mm-hmm. concerning COVID-19. And yet we can never find money uh, to bring forth uh, Talk, uh, the righting of wrong that has been done within black and brown communities. We're always told there's not money. We're always told there's not resources. But it's always interesting when America gets in trouble, we can write trillion dollars tre- checks or billion dollar checks to rebuild other places where the hood can't be rebuilt. So I think that that's, uh, it, it's, it's interconnected. With this ticket, I, I'm, I'm listen, I'll be very clear with you. I'm more hopeful with them than I am with the temporary occupant of 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue currently. Uh, <laughs> uh, and so I am hopeful with that. But I, while I'm hopeful, I also want to be helpful to push them. I think that every politician right. needs to be pushed, Every, mm-hmm. uh, regardless if they're our color, regardless uh, if they're our kind, regardless if they're not our kind. I believe that our responsibility in our job is to keep the pressure up. And if there's anything that these protests have helped us understand and recognize is that the people united can never be defeated. defeated. And so oh. we have to make sure uh, that as the people, we are pushing them because we understand other agendas will be pushing uh, and so if they're going to show up, we have to make sure that we're showing up. I think that uh, we have to push a black agenda. Uh, I'm thankful. Let me be clear. I'm thankful and I celebrate our sister, uh, Kamala Harris, uh, being uh, selected as the vice president uh, 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 nominee for the Democratic field. I celebrate her. I cheer uh, for uh, the accomplishment. I shout out for every sister, uh, mm-hmm. every uh, uh, Sora. Uh, I shout out for every, every uh, HBCU uh, alumnus. I shout out for everybody uh, uh, who, who's representing the fields represented to. I know I'm going to hear my Jamaican brothers and sisters. Mm-hmm. I, <laughs> I, 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 shout out, I shout out all of that. But with that, but with that, the only way we're going to see transformation and change from a Biden 
uh, Harris ticket or presidency is if we continually and consistently push the black agenda. Uh, and let's not be afraid to demand a black agenda, because guess what? Mm -hmm. There was a black agenda before this. It was called, right, being mislabeled as slaves. Right. There was a black mm -hmm. agenda. It was called building this country, building this joint for free. Uh, there mm -hmm. was black a black agenda of us being uh, segregated and us being uh, uh, denigrated, of us doing and building uh, the homes, taking care of the children, doing the work that nobody else wanted to do. That was an agenda. So if there was an agenda then, there ought to be a black agenda to make things right now. Yes, Here's sir. what I've been calling for. I've been calling that America, here it is, America needs to do three things. Here, what America wants to do, America right now just wants to reconcile. We want to just get everybody together, kumbaya. No, no, no. That's not going to happen. Mm -hmm. Number one, America needs to repent. We yes, need sir. to call out and declare what we have done wrong. Yes, not sir. only need to repent. Secondly, here it is. We need to repair. If I'm, if I'm, if this is a biblical mandate. If I have done something wrong, I need to make it right. I don't just need to make it right. I need to make it better than it was when I found it. Come over here, Zacchaeus. When he, when, he, when, he, when he found himself taking advantage of people through an unjust system, what did he do? When he got confronted with Jesus, what did he do? He didn't just repay it back. He did it five times over to make it not them not just right, to make them better than they was before he got him. So mm -hmm. my question is, if all these people, uh, if Zacchaeus, because he encountered Jesus, made things right by repair, then these people who seemingly are always against an agenda of reconciliation and repairing and restoring, I want to know, do they really know Jesus? And if they do, are we worshiping the same Jesus? Because mm -hmm. I, I, I think that's it's something problematic. So America needs to repent, repair, and then we can get to the reconciliation that takes place. But this black agenda, they need to be called out for how they have done wrong, not only for my African-American brothers and sisters from the South, but also how America has been complicit and continually complicit, was continually complicit in the advancement of colonialization within the African diaspora, within the islands, and benefited, benefited New York. That's right. That's uh, right. Uh, uh, Charleston, South Carolina, benefited uh, from the uh, bondage of Black people, not just in the South, but also within the Caribbean. We need to cut out uh, this this division between us from the Caribbean and thus from the uh, from from African American tradition and rose from Africa, we were all in the same dynamic and they were playing us all against each other. We need to call it out. They need to make it right, yes, and the sir. reparations need to be for everybody who got melanin in their skin. That's right, yes, sir. And and I and I I agree because I'm looking for my check too as well. Want the whole check? <laughs> the whole the check. The whole coins. We want the check and nothing but the check. <laughs> So, 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 um, yeah, that's a lot to cover, um, you know, in, in this show, um, you know, Pastor Straker, as we, as we leave, like, you know, what is, what is your message to, to urban America right now? People listen to us, you know, all over the con all over the country. Uh, you know, what, what is your message? Where do you think that we're going from here? As you look down the pipeline and you see that the election is brewing, um, as we get prepared, maybe for a new take, a new um, occupiers of the White House um, might come to play, but maybe not. Um, how do you? What do you see through your spiritual lens um, between now and the end of the year? I know you talked about the fact that you know don't give up on twenty twenty. Um, things are just changing rapidly. School is getting ready to open back up again, or not open back up again, based on who you talk to. How do you help us cope during this time? Well, thank you so much, Pastor. It's an honor once again to uh, be on with you guys and just listen to you guys talk and glean as we discuss things pertaining to our communities and our nation. Uh, we're in a difficult time, um, but uh, one of the things that I know is that we will build for this moment yeah. um, the sovereign Lord in knowing uh, and in his omniscience, he knew that we would be here. And for those that he placed here, he placed also the ability to survive and to be able to make it through, uh, not just barely making it through, but to exceedingly, abundantly uh, uh, make it through uh, to get past the issues of the pandemic and bring about a new tomorrow. I think there's something inside of us that he has placed in all of us 
to give us the ability to last beyond the circumstances that we, we face, which means there is a new way that we're going forward, a new way that the church will emerge, a new way that we're doing businesses, a new way that we're doing commerce. Uh, and right now, I believe that if we can just stop looking at the storm and saying, woe is me, and 2020, I can't believe how dark it's been, I think we should look to see the opportunities in 2020. I believe that there is something new that we, we can create, something coming out of this that can emerge, that catapults us into the, uh, the greater portion of the 21st century. We can be the ones in the history books that were known for innovating uh, the shift that took place as a result of the pandemic in 2020. Maybe this was what 2020 was all about, the year of great vision. Maybe this was the moment where the things that, uh, the vision that we really needed to have and we really needed to see going forward uh, is now bubbling up and uh, on the inside of us. I'm seeing people finding new ways to do certain things. We didn't think that we can work from home and all of this stuff. People were asking mm -hmm. to work from home and the job said no. Right. But now we're seeing that people are finding ways to creatively work from home. We're finding ways to touch people with the gospel all over the globe. And we're finding different ways to connect with our members and people that are out of state. And we're finding ways to do so many things. And so uh, I forgot how the, the quote goes, but it talks about, uh, I think it says, in, uh, uh, necessity is the mother of all invention. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So the, being in, in a corner sometimes brings out the best of who you are. Being in a place where it seems like uh, you, you, have to, you have to definitely pull yourself together and fight your way out could be some of the best things. Sometimes the best situations are the darkest situations because you yeah. got to learn to find where your light is and you got to learn how to crawl and you got to learn how to do things that might have been handed to you uh, throughout the, throughout your life. But now you got to dig deep into what's on the inside of you and now something is going to emerge. So I say that to everyone that is feeling like they don't know how they're going to make it. You've already made it. It's on the uh. inside of you and now you got to just manifest and pull out that, that power that God has given on the inside of us to sustain mm -hmm. and to last beyond the circumstances. So I look forward to vision actually coming to pass. I look forward to people pulling out and doing great things and that the future is going to be bright. Just watch and see. People are going to do some amazing things in order to figure out how we get past this. How do we rebound? And it's going to catapult us into even a greater nation, a greater America, a greater people, and hopefully a greater church. Amen. Pastor Charles, you, you, for, for people who are listening and they're trying to figure out what could they do and uh, maybe um, how they can, they can help young people in, in their particular community or building or church or club, what would you say to them and um, what encouragement would you give them before we leave? Uh, a couple, couple of things. And, and it sounds rote. It sounds routine, but I, I want to let us know it's powerful. Number one, pray. Uh, uh, pray uh, to hear. Mm -hmm. uh, we know prayer is not just a one-way uh, 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 communication, but rather it's a two-way conversation, right? Pray to ask God to give you direction. Here's a prayer that I, I pray and I encourage some of our folks to pray in the, in the, in the day, uh, is uh, God, lead me to the people. Lead me to the places. Lead me to the assignments that you would have for me this day. Uh, if, we, if we are guided, and I believe, guide the Holy Spirit, uh, then God, I believe that God leads us and guides us towards those people. Then hear this. We also have to overcome our own anxiety and fear. Right. Uh, our overcoming our own anxiety and fear uh, through the boldness of the Holy Spirit that lives within inside, inside of us. Um, listen, uh, I pastor a, a congregation in church uh, that has some Pentecostal predilections, but I grew up and uh, claim a uh, 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 Pentecostal framework. I, I, I say it this way, uh, that I, I'm, I'm Pentecostal enough in my framework to believe that I trust God's Spirit to lead me mm. to where he needs to lead me. Uh, and sure. I trust God to be God enough to guide me and direct me 
to the places that I need need need, need to be. Uh, and so I think th- those those are key areas for us overcoming our own anxiety and need. And then here it is. Uh, uh, take a step. Oh, let me go back. Next thing, teach mm-hmm. the Bible. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> it, the, the, the Bible is very clear what our response should be. It's not about those who are the, in the inside. It's always about those who are on the outside and those who are on the margins. That's who we are called to be. So remember what you have a biblical framework. And now you have, now that you've got guided by the Holy Spirit, now you have a biblical framework. Now the action and responsibility is for you to step out and to do it. Start with a conversation. Start with just how you doing. Mm. Start with hey, what's what's good. If you that that's uncomfortable for you, just start with good morning. Mm. <laughs> start start with good 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 evening. Start to ask ask some questions. How you doing today? How's it going? What's what's going on with you? Start start with just basic human interaction, and then allow God to uh, give you the opportunity for folks to to, to do it. And I, I I believe God enough, and I've seen God do it enough. Where it's sometimes folks, what I was there's a brother walking by today. And he didn't. He knew me from the church, but he didn't really know uh, that that much. Just started, just opening up. Just started right. opening up fully concerning what was what was going on and what he was experiencing. What was my assignment? My assignment was to be available, right? Uh, here, you've heard it said it before. Uh, maybe a cliche, but I believe that the best ability is availability. To be available, to be used by God, and so that means we can't be cloistered away. That means that we can't be. Uh, higher and holier and mightier than thou, it means that we have to be available and open to being the church. Church buildings are closed down. Church isn't closed down. The church buildings are closed down. So as a result, the responsibility is now the church has been deployed as a field hospital. Guess what? When you step on the scene, Mm. if we believe who we are called to believe, when you step on the scene, the holy presence of the living God steps on the corner. That's why we declare that we don't believe in bad neighborhoods where believers there. We believe it's holy ground. It's holy ground because your foot left your from you where you were and hit the pavement. As soon as your foot hit the pavement, the presence of the living God showed up in that neighborhood. If we really believe what the Bible that we say we believe, then we understand that the same resurrection power that raised Mm -hmm. Jesus Christ from From the the dead dead. is living inside of us. That means everything that's dead has to get up when the church shows up. I'll say it again. Everything that's dead has to get up when the church shows up. And who is the church? We We are are the the church. church. And so when we show up, dead attitudes, dead uh, 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 ambitions, Dead uh, imaginations, dead frameworks, dead futures have to get up because the same resurrection power that raised Jesus also showed up. Thank you so much for that, and uh, we will concur. This this is, has been um, a wonderful about forty five minutes. Um, just being able to share on our podcast beyond the headlines. Can y'all um, tell I haven't been in a pulpit in a while. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah, definitely. Don't don't go and enjoying everything. Um, you know, teaching, preaching. You doing what you gotta do. Um, Amen. It, it's it's what we're here for. Um, we're here to um, preach and teach about gun violence. Uh, we have to be hope dealers. Uh, we also bring a level of power and transformation when we go out on the streets as well. Um, I yesterday I had another experience too as well. Um, you know, visiting a mom who lost her son. And um, mm-hmm. just the raw pain, and we prayed, and she said she felt so much better. The power of prayer is is amazing. Um, how we communicate with God and how God speak to us too as well. Um, when we say that we're praying with our feet, what we mean is that when we pray, God gives us the vision to show us the action. We're yeah. not just praying because we think that we have good words. What we're doing is that we're saying, Lord, we have an appetite to serve you. Therefore, fill us. By us coming to you, he is going to allow us to be able to perform the duties in which he called us to do through the power of prayer. And I think that I agree um, tonight that we have to look at this as a calling. Uh, we have to look at, our, at ourselves as hope dealers um, mm-hmm. in, a, in a time of despair. Uh, we know that, again, unemployment is up. We know that the violence is up. But at the same time, now we should have our faith lifted towards heaven. We got to keep our faith fresh. We got to keep our eyes on the prize, and we can't look back. So, brothers, we want to thank you so much for your time uh, today for just coming on the podcast and sharing your heart. 
and sharing what God has for our community. So thank you again so much. And uh, trust and pray that you all who are out there, if you'd like to get in touch with us, it's not hard at all. Um, we are on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at 6th Clergy Council. And uh, we'll be more than happy to connect with you. So thank you all again. God bless you. Remember that we cannot change yesterday. We can only make the most of today and look with hope towards tomorrow. God bless everyone. We'll see you next time on the podcast Beyond the Headlines. <laughs>